Welcome to the Urban Property Investor and this special holiday season podcast. This is episode four of the four-part Property Investment Essential series. In these episodes, I will delve into key aspects around value, the types of ways to extract profits from real estate. And really, there is no better way to do that than learning my 4X growth plan, otherwise known as four times growth theory. Just a reminder of what that is in real estate, there are four ways to create growth from property. The rate of growth, for example, is influenced by local factors. We often refer to that as location growth. The length of growth is impacted by market factors. We often refer to that as the market cycle. The magnitude of growth is affected by emotional factors known as behavioral growth, how people connect to real estate. And of course, you can manufacture growth from property. These are property factors defined as deal growth. Today's episode is all about behavioral growth in real estate and some of the philosophy that connects people to property and profits. This episode first aired mid-2023 and was my favorite episode in 2023. I've changed the title name to the fundamentals of real estate value. I hope you enjoy the show. And to me, probably the first lesson that I really learned inside of real estate was that those that actually understand value have the potential to become the creators of their own wealth. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, we're going to dig into the theory of real estate value. Yes, not to be confused with the last episode where we tucked away valuation. Very different. We're going to dig into the idea that there are theories that exist today as to how to make money. And of course, a lot of these theories are from some of the greatest minds to have ever walked the planet. Nobel Peace Prize winners to Plato himself. Theory and value are intertwined. And today I want to give you the theories which have economically changed my world. I think it's an important concept to be a student of philosophy and a student of economics. And as such, I want to share with you some of the great lessons which have occurred during the last thousand plus years that we can absolutely take and put in our little bucket of knowledge to play this game called real estate investment. So today, the theory of real estate value, I really hope you're going to get a kick out of today's show. It could go forever. This could be the longest show to uh, have ever aired. So I would encourage you to play the program in double speed. Get your life back. And of course, uh, a big, big welcome back to all my regular listeners. Thank you for choosing me to give you some insights into property investment. Big part of my job is simply sharing information on property investment. And uh, that's my gig. So uh, I hope you're having a good time. Remember, leave a review. It'd be great to get a review every now and then. So I appreciate the reviews. Let's do a little uh, review check. Has someone left me a sneaky review of late or are we still reviewless? Let's have a little look. Love your work, Sam. We've got a review from David Gerard. Wow. Thank you, David. You get the shout out. Five stars he's put. Good on you, Dave. Well, Let's talk about value because obviously values are connected to our belief system and we all have different belief systems. So uh, we all end up quite often buying different types of properties in different types of areas with 
different types of performance. And of course, beliefs shape our world. Beliefs come from, uh, you know, how we grow up to, you know, the environment we're uh, put in. Beliefs really do shape the way we do our world. But value is also connected to economic theory. Now, um, I'll just fix something on my shelf, which is annoying me. Value is connected to economic theory. And theories, of course, are maths, mathematical equations. And ultimately, value theory comes from some of the great philosophers and economists that have ever walked this planet. So uh, let's go over some of the formulas, which are mathematical equations. And I always like to say goals and outcomes are just maths. They are. Like if you want to lose weight, you can't say, I just want to lose weight. You need to actually go, I'm going to lose, uh, you know, two kilos a week for 10 weeks. It's a mathematical formula, two times 10. So the idea that there are theories that either come from economics or philosophy, I think is an important concept to understand as a property investor. And again, when I started to learn the great concepts of economics, I started to become a much, much better property investor. So let's go through a whole ton of concepts. I can't go through them all because there's literally hundreds of them, but I've chosen some which are important to me and I think they should resonate with you as a property investor as well. I'm going to start with the ancient Greeks. Yes, we're going back to the age of the first Olympians. The ancient Greeks believed that value should relate to quality. And I think it's a very, very good conversation to have that quality decisions that we make quality education we get, the knowledge we can bestow in ourselves is probably the most important part to becoming a great property investor. The ancient Greeks brought us philosophy and education, which today is still used. Plato, for example, says there is nothing more divine than education. It is only through education that one truly becomes a man. These are, to me, like, like some of the great insights of the world. And of course, when it comes to how the Greeks, kind of ancient Greeks, formed their society, it was all around the idea that we will create quality buildings, quality cities, we'll create quality games such as the Olympics, and of course, we're going to philosophize and create quality knowledge. How does this link to you as a property investor? Well, value today is today's show. And value needs to be understood so that an investor can get ahead. I think quite often value is a strange conversation to have with people Oscar Wilde has that famous line, a cynic is the man who knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. And to me, probably the first lesson that I really learned inside of real estate was that those that actually understand value have the potential to become the creators of their own wealth. And Socrates said, I cannot teach anyone anything. I can only make them think. And today I want to make you think. Uh, the first lesson in my viewpoint is knowledge is absolutely power. So who are you hanging out with? Who are you getting your advice with? Do you have trusted advisors? Do you have uh, a team that is working for you to get you to where you need to go? Because if you're the smartest person in the room, you're obviously in the wrong room. You've got to go and seek people that know more, that can offer a different point of view. And I think that in itself is one of the first lessons of value that we can learn to value education, value education. The second real 
sort of lesson over time when it comes to value is really value is overseen by the government. There uh, really is the economic theory of what is known as just price. It has its roots from ancient Greek and the Roman thought, basically that ethics and morality is run by the government, just price. And what I see a lot of people struggle with with real estate is that a government is always going to meddle, whether it's changing laws, whether it's favoring uh, a proportion of society over another portion of society, whether it's coming up with reckless, uh, stupid things like, um, you know, making people, um, you know, have longer leases or, you know, implying higher land tax. Value is also run through the tax and tariff and legislation system. And as such, we as property investors just need to consider that the same wind blows on us all, the same wind of government. And this has been around for thousands of years and I understand for a lot of property investors it nicks them in the head. And if I look at chat rooms and Facebook you know, dialogue, so much energy is put into that space. What may happen? What could happen? And really, we can't control the government. We can oppose the government, but we can't control the government. Just price and just value has been around for thousands of years and it's going to be around a lot longer. And it's fair to say that government obviously has a job when it comes to making society whole. So, of course, there's going to be tariffs, taxes on our title as a property investor and affect our value proposition. But we want to live in a society with healthcare and schools. Someone's got to pay for that. And, of course, uh, one of the uh, best ways to get ahead and really not end up in a place where government controls you is to actually be a property investor. Uh, so many people end up on the pension that it is mind-boggling here in Australia that uh, for so many people, they just go through this world economically blind with blinkers on and find no value. We can't control the government. We can't control laws, interest rates, the economy, taxes, unemployment. What we can control, though, is the property. And I've always said there are three mechanisms you can control when it comes to value. The land characteristics, the building characteristics, and the location characteristics. These are paramount to the success of finding value as an investor. And if you worry about the government, you're going to worry for a long time because uh, they've been saying the same stuff over and over and over and over. Adam Smith in 1790 came up with cost production theory, the idea that value is created from the cost of production. Part of the underlying idea is by producing, you create interplay of value in people and industries, the value of trade, the value of jobs, the value of industry. And of course, the, the idea in its entirety is that there is a value that just by producing something, someone learns something about their job, someone improves in society, uh, trade improves, industries grow. And really, when I look at value and I look at the real estate economy, I see value which is too big to fail. Real estate today is at a place where it is the biggest industry here in Australia. Most people's jobs in one way, either directly or indirectly, are connected to the real estate economy. It's a, at a residential level, a $10 trillion economy at a commercial level, a $1.2 trillion economy. By way of contrast, the share market is a $2.8 trillion economy. So real estate is too big to fail in Australia. And it goes back really to Adam Smith, one of the greatest economists to ever live, 
based on cost production theory that real estate is basically a huge industry now and the cost to reproduce the real estate which has been created is impossible. You just simply could not replace that value. Uh, $10 trillion is not easily uh, created and as such, economically speaking, when we uh, look at the value of real estate, it's here to stay. It's going nowhere. Um, it will continue to be something because Australians' wealth is connected to it. It is too big to fail. It'll have dark days and it'll have bright days, but ultimately over the long term, it will be a success. So value is in the asset class. Value is in how we approach our relationship with government. Value is in how we educate ourselves. Nicholas Bardon, 1660, came up with the economic theory, the market is the best judge of value. Free trade, the market will always find what it's looking for and pay for what it sees as fair value. And I think it's a great lesson that real estate really is a demand-led first asset class. It is not supply-led. Uh, it is very much the buyer is the judge inside of real estate. And that is why you see value every weekend distorted across real estate communities. You can be in one suburb and there's 65 people at an auction. You can be in another suburb and there's no one at the open home. Value is determined by the market. The buyer is the judge. And I think it's a really good reminder of how you should approach looking at real estate. John Lockie came up with the economic principle of paradox value, the value of water or the value of diamonds. And of course, the concept pertains to how much more valuable is water to a human than a diamond to a human. And of course, if we don't drink a glass of water a day, we're going to run into a bit of a trouble. So, of course, water is ultimately more valuable than diamonds because water has a humanistic power that brings ultimate value, the value of life. Shelter also carries this kind of water over diamond theory, whereby shelter carries with the pricing power. And I've said this a lot in the past, that here in Australia, where we are a country of consumers, we are buying for consumers' dollars and housing carries with it pricing power. Housing is really the first place money goes, not the last place. It, housing competes with transportation, recreation, medical care. And for a lot of people, they will actually forego medical care to pay the mortgage. They will forego going to the restaurant to pay the mortgage. Water over diamonds, property over diamonds, property, property over food and bev. And I think it's a really good lesson of how value works and why real estate carries value. Real estate carries pricing power. Francois Kisay came up with the... Uh, best phrase I've ever heard, which is laser fair valuation. There you go. I'm speaking French. Let nature take its course. Time determines value. And without question, laser fair valuation is so true. If we look at real estate and how value works, the nature of real estate is driven from time in the market. Yeah, you can make a little money from day one, but ultimately, if you want to see your real estate grow, you've got to give it time. PropTech has come out with a report that the Australian property market typically doubles every 15 years. And so if we were to unpack that, that's a 5% annualized capital growth rate per annum. And of course, uh, if we gave ourselves a minimum of that doubling experience and that's the worst we do in real estate, that's not a bad outcome. 
value is driven through time in the market, laser fair value, laser fair value. And of course, uh, when I look at some of the real estate, which I've put together over the years, it has certainly done what PropTech has said and better uh, properties, which today have outperformed that average of 5%, um, well above that. So value is a concept which, again, is a really important part of becoming a wealth creator. If you can really understand what I'm saying here and appreciate it and consider it philosophy and economic theory, but apply it in your day-to-day dealings, you're going to make money out of real estate, time in the market. Adam Smith, uh, who we quote a lot, one of the best uh, in the business back in 1769, basically came up with the concept that natural value has uh, has real value. And uh, he has a great saying, we rely on the forest, rivers, oceans, and soils to provide us with the food we eat, the air we breathe, and the water we irrigate. We also rely on them for numerous other goods and services we depend on for our daily health, happiness, and prosperity. Natural assets equal value. And I always teach this to people I help buying real estate. Let's look for the cheeky park across the road. Let's buy close to the beach down the street. Let's uh, get close to that humanistic experience of those coffee shops Natural assets lead to further value. Value rises off the back of natural assets. It's the way it's been forever and it's the way it will continue into the future. Adam Smith, David Ricardo and Pierre Samuel came up with the concept, real wealth is derived from the usefulness and the productivity of land. Real wealth is derived from the usefulness and the productivity of land. And of course, if we were to break down what that means, we've got the importance of land, which is the desirability of the property. We've got the character of the land, which is the unique attributes of the property. And we've got the productivity of the land, which is the income of the property and what it can generate. These are really awesome ways to extract value from real estate, desirability, uniqueness, and of course, the income a property can produce. Real wealth is derived from the usefulness and productivity of the land. John Hobson came up with the concept land-rent theory in 1898. Rents yield more based on distance to employment. It's an economic theory like MC squared. It's got a little uh, caption to how it looks. Land rent theory and the land rent curve. The closer you are to employment, the better off you're going to be. And today, I still think this is one of the most important things you can understand about real estate, that there is obviously a big, big lesson behind the conversation of where are the jobs How can I live close to them? Um, How can I invest close to them? Yields are stronger based on distance to employment. It's just the way it is. It's the way it's always been and it's the way it's always will be. It's a real good lesson in value. The Fisher Equation by Irvine Fisher in 1920 came up with really the concept that the real interest rate is essentially the nominal interest rate minus the inflation rate, which is an interesting concept and something which I teach openly on this podcast. So if the nominal interest rate today is 6% and the inflation rate is 6%, inflation uh, is obviously what things are increasing by. If you're borrowing money at 6% and uh, the inflation rate's at 6%, the real rate of value in interest is 0%. And so uh, ultimately, you can't basically put yourself in a position to 
save yourself wealthy. Inflation erodes the purchasing power of cash. If you don't invest your money, it's going to lose value over time. Cash will devalue faster than interest. Rising prices for goods and services outdo the ranking of savings. And of course, it leads to the conversation that borrowers can pay back dollars on loans using money that is worth less than what they borrowed it for. If you're borrowing money at 6% and the inflation rate is 6%, uh, ultimately, the money is becoming eroded as to what you're borrowing. Inflation eats debt. And so it's an interesting way to look at value. Often we see uh, just a cost, but we don't recognize just how good the value is. And of course, if we look at real estate as a hedge today, we could say that the rental growth in the last 12 months has been over 10%. NAB's forecast capital growth is well over 10% for the next 24 months. And the inflation rate is at about 6%. We're borrowing money at 6%. It's inflating at 6%. Uh, and we're growing in real estate terms at both 12 and 10% rental and capital growth. Real estate absolutely is a hedge against inflation. And you've seen that unfold over the course of the last two years. Margin value, which is a value of economics that goes back all the ways to the mid-1800s, is defined by the benefits that outweigh the cost. And of course, margin value is really tied to real estate. If you want things to be worth more, you need to add more value to the thing. If you want things to be worth more, you need to add more value for the market to understand. And in real estate, it's pretty simple. If you've got a property, you could upgrade it. You could uh, create a higher and better use for the property. You could improve its efficiency through green economics. You could renovate. You could uh, create better designs, better functionality. You could improve its features and benefits and safety. You could integrate technology. You could use time to extrapolate more value. You could build something. Uh, value is very much connected in real estate to what you bring to the table and how you try and improve the value of an asset. There is absolutely a financial relationship between institutions, real estate, and the economy. Richard Eli in 1917 came up with the concept that really institutionalism will drive real estate values. And if you think about how it works today, and I've openly sp spoken about this, it's so true. We are connected to our biggest companies. Our biggest companies provide a large proportion of the country's wealth, a large proportion of the country's workforce. And uh, here in Australia, we really have, you know, huge companies like West Farmers and ANZ and Westpac and Commonwealth Bank and NAB. These are all part of the fire economy. Even West Farmers, which you would associate with farming, they own part of the fire economy, which is they own uh, large retailers like Bunnings. Bunnings is the number one uh, probably place to go to fix your house. So everyone's connected in Australia to the real estate economy, whether it's the National Australia Bank, Commonwealth Bank, ANZ, Westpac, whether it's uh, West Farmers or Macquarie, they are really the big companies here in Australia. We do have some other companies which are large and shaping our society, CSL, Science, BHP, Energy, Atlassian Tech, uh, they really do shape how real estate will grow. And here in Australia, we're uh, very much connected to the fire economy, which is finance, insurance, and real estate. 
And uh, you do see a correlation of the values improving off the back of that. Value is in the financial relationship of the institutions and the market. And of course, uh, pie economics is an important fundamental behind this, that we want to invest where the population is, where the infrastructure is and the employment is because of the ultimate financial relationship between the two groups. And of course, if you looked at America, a large proportion of their very successful companies are tech companies today, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook. These are all companies domiciled in the United States and uh, for the most part, they come from San Francisco. And if you look at the correlation between property values in San Francisco and the companies that are using San Francisco, you'll be shocked. Like properties have skyrocketed in value based on a linkage between Apple's price and Microsoft's price and Amazon's price uh, as companies. Their market share is just huge. And uh, where do the workers live? Well, they live in San Francisco. They own multi-million dollar properties in San Francisco. It's really become such a problem that San Francisco is described as a failed state of America because there is so much rich and so much poor. And uh, you really got two versions of the world. Thurston Veblen's social economic theory, the theory of the leisure class, is something which I just absolutely love. Veblen's economics defines people as irrational economic agents who disregard personal happiness in a continual pursuit for social status and prestige, inherent to having a place in society. Value is derived around a crave for status. I've mentioned this before, the idea of hypergamy and real estate, the idea that people absolutely want to find a higher and better social status, even if they're miserable. And uh, really, the idea of the theory of the leisure class, which dates back to 1899, really comes up with the concept that today people will look at real estate and shop on some of its virtues for social status. We can use that value information to extrapolate how we can approach buying real estate. If we know that people are going to be seeking this kind of status and image, maybe the type of properties we look for are could link to this kind of irrational economic concept that people's happiness goes out the window as long as their social status improves, they'll keep chipping away. The School of Thought in the 1920s came up with the principle, the use, the cost-benefit and the esteem is the exchange of real estate. The use, the cost and the esteem is the exchange of real estate. And of course, it goes back to really the theory of the leisure cast that people will buy real estate for its esteem value. And I think design and real estate and profits from real estate uh, are linked. I find a lot of value if I can find something that's got a lot of esteemed value, it goes up in value at a good rate of capital growth. And I call it the secret language of real estate that there is ultimately three design logics in real estate which link to the neoclassical school of thought of the use, the cost and the esteem is the exchange of value which really pertains to the theory of the leisure class. And as such, really the use, if you like, if we broke it down, relates to the features and functionality of a property. The cost relates to the living experience by not paying the extra for use. What cost benefit value will you miss out on? And the esteem is the initial additional price 
that a real estate has because of its inherent attractiveness and reflection of social status appeal. It's esteem value. And so when I teach real estate, I teach this little secret language, which is called property design logic. The three value design logics are functional design. If properties are functional, they carry with them very good esteem value. If properties have good behaviors, they carry very good esteem value. Um, behaviors are things like the property, I don't know, has a, has a nice little swimming pool out the back. People go, well, it's got a behavior, I can go swimming. Um, it could be as simple as it's got a great bathtub, it's got the behavior of bathing. People aspire for this and this is where value is created. And of course, reflective design is just simply the concept that reflective energy of social status comes from real estate. And if someone goes to a street, a property, a suburb, and they get this kind of, wow, this is going to improve my status in the world, they will buy real estate. And real estate really has the ability to provide this through geometry, which really goes back to the value that was created by even the ancient Greeks who were one of the pioneers around architecture. Geometry, architecture, and spatial relationship and real estate absolutely equals profits. And quite often as a property investor, we don't understand what is good architecture, what is good design, and what is good spatial relationships. The real estate market is full of oxymorons, cheap, high quality property, high growing bargain property, low risk, high ward, reward property. They're all designed to mask really a bit of a failure of really the market to have good real estate in it. And again, to understand the difference between good spatial uh, real estate with great reflective behavioral and functional design. I look at George Akerlof's theory, market lemon theory, that buyers cannot easily distinguish between high quality and low quality goods. As a result, low quality goods dominate the market, leading to a situation where the market becomes a trade of low quality goods lemons, market lemon theory. And again, if I look at the real estate economy and I look at the properties that I see out in the street, in my local neighborhood, in other neighborhoods, if I look at 75% of properties that are out in society, I would say they are low quality goods. They are the market lemons because buyers cannot easily distinguish between high quality and low quality. Uh, today, I'm trying to teach you the difference between high quality and low quality, the theory of uh, the market lemon, the cost benefit, the esteem value, the use of the property, all relates to functionality, behaviors, and esteem. The three design logics, functional, behavioral, reflective, all comes to a uh, geometrical mathematical equation which is designed around a spatial relationship that sounds crazy i know but when you think about real estate there is a lot of lemons and even uh whether it's the new construction market the old construction market the established market 75 percent of properties are low quality goods just the way it is, the market lemon theory. Obviously, to make money out of real estate, we want the 25% of real estate which is considered uh, high quality, which is considered good, not the 75% which is just uh, real estate. Home buyers tend to value homes with their hearts, not their heads. And this is an important extrapolation of value. As a property investor, we often look at numbers too detailed and not 
uh, focus on the concepts which I've just given you, that though the low-quality good might have a nice mathematical set of numbers, it's actually the high-quality good which is in the shortest level of supply and will tug on those home buyer um, hearts. And of course, the judge of value is buyers. And that is why you get 65 people at one auction and no one at another open home on the same day. Carl Gustav Cassel, The Theory of the Social Economy, 1918. Prices are paid for the factors of production in accordance with the general principle of scarcity. Scarcity equals value. And without question, I think that the concept of property investment and the results you can get from property investment, if you can afford something which carries with it scarcity, is just amazing. When land runs out, land goes up. When a certain type of opportunity runs out, it goes up. The properties around the golf course, there's only 16 of them around par 18. They're going to go up. Scarce views, they will go up. Scarce waterfronts, they're going to go up. Scarcity equals value. And it really pertains to the conversation that, a large part of the market is really based around market lemon theory, that the buyer cannot easily distinguish between high quality and low quality, so just design low quality. And of course, uh, my job, people like me, our job is to find high quality in what is a low quality pool of properties. And that is probably one of the most interesting things that I have ever learnt when it comes to value economics. Remember, today's show is really a sermon, if you like, on value theory, the theory of real estate value. Scarcity equals value. John Hicks developed in 1939 consumer demand theory, the idea that consumption is really separated from production. And I often refer to this as the bullwhip effect. You've probably heard me talk about the bullwhip effect, the idea that really a supplier and the customer are so far apart that really there's going to be huge distortions in how things are produced and how things are consumed. And of course, if we go through to the current situation, the supply of properties is so low and the demand is so high that you can't easily fix that. You can't ring up and say, produce me another million properties next week and have it delivered the week after. So the bullwhip effect unfolds and we're going through another bullwhip effect right now whereby consumption is separated from production. And really the uh, situation we're currently in is higher rents, uh, prices that have increased and starting to increase uh, as a result of a input from the producer, which is basically a broken supply chain of properties being produced. And of course, uh, rates have gone up of recent time to try and slow uh, certainly spending, but eventually they will go back down. And of course, the output will be lower inflation but higher rents, uh, lower interest rate costs to borrow money and property values increasing. The next bullwhip effect is unfolding. Consumer demand theory. Consumption is separated from production. Supply is separated from demand. And so it's an important economic principle. A lot of the time, property investors worry about supply. They worry about, um, you know, these type of conversations, but it's never linear. They're never together. Um, either you go through periods of hyper supply or you go through periods of no supply. And right now, there's a period of no supply. And it will be like that for a long time. Frank Knight 
Chicago School of Economics, 1931, neoclassical price theory, risk and uncertainty leads to profits. Risk and uncertainty leads to profits. And I think we've all heard that saying whereby Warren Buffett, who basically used this economic theory to create one of the best one-liners ever created in economics, uh, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fear- fearful. It is the best line that anyone's ever heard of. And of course, in economics and value, this is really the way to play the game. The masters are telling us what to do. It's up to us to listen to the masters. Warren Buffett is a master of economics. Again, as I alluded to at the start of the program, I can give you the tools and the information to listen to. It's really up to you to actually take them on board and just get on with your life, get on with your investing. Be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Really does pertain to the bullwhip effect, which I was just referring to. Right now, there's still a bit of fear. Be greedy when people are fearful. Get into it because when uh, the opposite happens, it's uh, there's just simply less opportunity. Uncertainty leads to profits. John Keynes, the Keynesian economic theory of the 1930s, is something we still live with today. It creates value in real estate. The economic theory focuses on using government policy to manage demand, to address and prevent economic slowdowns. And we went through this during the COVID lockdown, the government intervention to create the wealth effect. What is important to understand in real estate, it is very connected to government. And again, going back to the concept that really uh, it is a too big to fail economy. Obviously, we've seen this. You've lived through this now. An economic theory you have lived through that government will intervene to save the economy and to manage aggregate demand. Of course, off the back of that, we had a wealth effect basically in 2021. Who would have thought that you could have a worldwide pandemic and asset values could double? Well, if you government shovels money into the economy, you create prosperity. The wealth effect comes from government spending. And again, this is why I think it's very important from a value proposition to be around where the government likes to spend money. Quite often, they're our big cities. The wealth effect unfolds because the government wants consumers to feel financially secure and confident about their wealth, which is in Australia connected to where people's homes are. If people feel that their home's worth money, they will go and spend. And of course, I think this is one of the greatest lessons of value of Australian real estate. The government wants your value of your house to increase so you feel wealthy wealthy and spent. The byproduct of it actually growing in value is neither here or there to the government. The fact that you will spend is more important. And again, uh, this is really um, John Keane's economic theory and really we've just lived through this economic theory. And again, I think it uh, is something that should make you help, help you sleep at night. Like what I'm trying to share with you today are valuable lessons of economics and how to extrapolate value out of some of the great philosophers and economists of all time. Intrinsic value is an important value, and I've mentioned this in some past podcasts, so I won't harp on about it, but it is the value that a thing has in itself. And in real estate, we look for lifetime cash flow, the lifetime appeal for the property, the future appeal for the property, the future use of the real estate. 
and we sub out obsolence costs, functional obsolence, economic obsolence, and physical obsolence. The key ingredient for intrinsic value is the character that the property can generate uh, is that you want future payoffs from the real estate. And really that is intrinsic value, a key intrinsic character that a property can generate for a future stream of payoffs. So if you've got the right property, it's going to pay you down the track. If you feel like your property is going backwards because you're being eaten by costs, it may not have any intrinsic value. Value is in itself. I know that sounds crazy. In fact, I think maybe the whole show sounds a bit uh, out there, but these are such important lessons and just brilliant philosophy in my view. Homer Hoyt, 1939, and later Fred Harrison came up with the concept that the real estate uh, value has a cycle. And the cycle has really four patterns, recovery, expansion, oversupply, and recession. And of course, uh, really, when it comes to right now, there's a lot of expansion happening. Rents are expanding at a rapid rate of knots. We're now even seeing the recovery of prices around our cities. We're not seeing hypersupply at all. We're seeing the polar opposite. And maybe we will uh, dodge an economic recession. So the cycle in itself has patterns and value inside of those patterns. How you interface with those patterns is an important equation. If you're buying in an expansive market and you pay too much, you'll ultimately find yourself when the market corrects with a situation where you're potentially negative in value. If you look at a stagnating recessive time and don't buy, well, you're not necessarily following the value logic of show Fear when others are greedy and show greed when others are fearful. That's the whole concept. There is a cycle. And uh, really, I always explain it, after expansion comes contraction, but after contraction comes expansion. It's just the way it is. It's the way it works. Urban sociologist Ruth Glass coined the term gentrification, which is really a great way to play the game of value in real estate. Competition and competitive markets ensure that people are paid their contribution to production, creating the gentry, the comfortable, the middle class, and the poor. A higher class defines an area of benefit. When a high class sees an area of benefit in real estate, they go there and they make it better. They bring value. Higher classes bring value to property through gentrification. So in real estate, there are gentrified suburbs, gentrifying suburbs, the ungentrified, and the never to be gentrified. These are all places we could be investing in. Uh, based on different mathematical algorithms. The gentrified, the gentrifying, the ungentrified, and the never-to-be-gentrified. These are all great lessons, in my opinion, on how to be a great property investor. The Hosskold Method and the Inwood Method, 1980s. Recovery of capital takes the form of annuity and forms new value. Recovery of capital takes the form of annuity and new value. Wow. Depreciation equals the recovery of cash flow as annuity from capital. And this, again, is another way to think about value. We often talk about depreciation and tax benefits as some sort of just weird 
byproduct of, of real estate. But actually, there is an economic principle. You take capital and you turn the capital into cash flow. I think that's just so brilliant that there is the concept that you can actually buy something and turn it into something liquid such as cash flow. Depreciation equals the recovery of cash flow. These are all some of the great principles. Farmer and French, mean reversion, the theory of value. And uh, I think this is a really good one to just, you know, basically remind you that you will have better days ahead. The reversion really is the concept that there is an average and everything reverts to its long-term average and prices get restored over the long term. And of course, if you pay too much for property or things have gone backwards on you of late, the idea is just simple. There is an average for the type of property you own and real estate is not linear. It doesn't go up every year for 15 years to double in value. It may sit idle for eight years and have three years of just champion growth. And of course, that champion growth may actually see the property double in value, all happening over a three-year period. So the reversion to the mean involves retracing a condition back to its long-term average state. Value eventually revert to its long-term average. And this is so important. It can help you understand where to invest next. It can help you avoid paying too much in a market which has had too much growth. Or it can just give you some insights into where your property sits over the long-term based on its current value proposition connected to potentially what you even paid for the property. And the final economic theory, which is an unpublished economic theory, is my economic theory. Yes, the four times value theory. Property value is both earned and unearned through four values. The four values work together, but also apart. The four values include the deal, the location, the market, and what the property does to people's emotions. Four times value theory, and you would know that as the 4X growth plan. Yes, the deal has growth, the location has growth, the market has growth, and of course, there are some behaviors that create emotion and growth. And I'm going to leave you on this little phrase I put together based on the Forex Growth Plan, which uh, is an unpublished economic theory that actually has a mathematical equation attached to it, known as four times value theory. The rate of growth is influenced by local factors. The length of growth is impacted by market factors. The magnitude of growth is affected by emotional factors and the manufacturing of growth is defined by property factors. That's my economic theory, the Forex growth plan. I've done podcasts on it, so I won't rabbit on onto what that actually is, but it is an economic theory that ultimately suggests that if you are going to buy property, you want to make some money doing a deal, but you want to choose a really good location, a really safe market, and some drivers of emotion so that people pay more value for the property down the track. And uh, on that note, we've reached the end of the podcast. It's been a bit of a weird one, but I hope a worthwhile one. It's been uh, a very philosophical one, I would say, the idea of real estate value. Hey, I hope that helped you understand. It came off the back of the episode I just recently published around summation valuation, capitalization valuation, and opinion valuation or direct comparison. They are valuation models, 
but what is theoretical value, what people perceive as value, how value is generated. These are all some of the value theories that link to uh, what people want, what places people buy in, and uh, how real estate works. And if you're keen to dig deeper into this topic and explore the world of property investment in Australia, don't miss our up and coming property investment webinars. Click the link below to explore our exciting 2024 lineup where you'll discover how you can kickstart your property journey and supercharge your property portfolio.